Right, so on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast. Uh, no Tim this week because he's out in Qatar and no Liam because he's had a tough week. Bless him. Andy, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I, I had a tough day yesterday. I decided on a whim to drive up to the Wrexham game, uh, then found out the M4 was closed, then they closed the M40 and it took me about five hours. So I'm the real victim. You are the real victim of all this. Well, we're joined this week to discuss not just uh, yesterday's result for Wrexham, but also a momentous week uh, for Wales uh, in the, as, a, as a football team and as a, as a nation by a broadcaster and a journalist. So we've got Bryn Law and Tommy Kaus. How are we, gents? OK, thank you. A little tired. Yeah, no, not bad at all. I, I was just going to say, I thought when you said broadcaster and journalist, that was both Bryn. But uh, yeah, take that. Yeah, you're one of us now, Tommy. You're one of us. Uh, you were both at the game yesterday, weren't you? Uh, Bryn, what did you make of yesterday's game to start with? Uh, yeah, I mean, good first half performance. And as soon as the first goal was scored, well, even probably before the first goal was scored, let's be honest about it, there was a, a sense that it was a game that Wrexham were going to win. The opposition, they were pretty game, but they, there wasn't much there, was there? And um so, a couple of goals up at half-time. I thought they were going to go on and get three, four, five again, to be honest. But I wasn't that disappointed that they didn't in many senses because they they stuck to the task doggedly in terms of the, what they did defensively. And I, I've said for quite a while now that my my take on all of this is that the absolute key this season is the not conceding goals rather than the scoring goals bit. Because I think they'll always score goals, almost always score goals. Um, but if, as long as they can um, remain defensively really tight, I think that would be the. I, for me, that's the key to success this time around. I mean, h- hard to tell yesterday, maybe because of the quality of the opposition. With all respect to them, but um, you know, do you think Tunnicliffe has made a difference in that? What were your, what were your, was your impression of him? Well, I don't want to sort. Of, I, I mean, that that kind of end. You end up pointing the finger at, at, at Max Clueth if you do that, which I don't think is fair. But. Um, there's a different, there's a, there's a slightly different look to the defensive unit now. I think, I think um, Bentoza looks uh, a little happier, or a little more comfortable in the way that the thing is set up now. I mean, what we've got is a, I think in Tony Cliff, we've got a kind of head it, kick it central defender, haven't we? Um, and, and he seems happy to be that. So, he, you know, uh, short pass, he gets the ball, wins the ball, short pass, and, you know, get on with his defense, the defensive side of it. And in all honesty, I think that's probably what we absolutely needed because we've seen too many games where things are just way too open defensively. And, and um, I did a quick interview, um, Tommy was there at the time, but I did a quick interview with Phil Parkinson after the game yesterday and he made reference to the to the 7-5 game and not wanting the basketball scores was the phrase he used. So... I think, and I think that I think he's, um, I think he's absolutely right in saying that. I and mean, of course, he's right. He's a manager, isn't he? But um, because it's much. That's why I was happy with the two 0 frankly, because you get up, you get in front, you've got enough goals to win the game, and you just win the game. You don't need necessarily then to pile forward and lots of. We don't need too much drama. There's been enough drama already. Yeah, it's one of those. Routine two nils you don't really remember maybe at the end of the season, but they're quite crucial in 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 another brick in the wall in that way. Tommy, who who stood out for you? Yeah, just uh, you know, completely agree with what Bryn said there. I, I it was quite enjoyable to watch that game and, and just have a nice, comfortable victory where where Wrexham never got out of second gear. In all honesty, but but in terms of who stood out, um, 
Yeah, I think Elliot Lee again. Every time I see him, um, I, I just think he, I think he's he's got another couple of gears to show us. Uh, but he, he just uses class, I think, in, in possession of the football. I think he pulls defenders out of position as well. And little things off the ball. He's just an intelligent footballer. Um, and I think when he really starts to fire on all, all cylinders, whatever that might be, I think we're going to have a real player. You know, I think potentially the best player in the league. Um, you know, I still think he's got a lot to give personally. Yeah, a couple of um, injuries at the moment. Oh, there we got lads coming back. What's the latest you can tell us, Tommy, or the Daily Post Wrexham reporter about uh, about who's who's due back? When are they going to When are they going to be playing? Can't tell you anything, mate. Can't tell you anything <laughs> at all. Yeah, uh, yeah Mendy. Mendy apparently is going to be back uh, this week. Uh, that was good. I don't, I don't think Anthony Ford. I don't think uh, it, it's not too serious that one. He should be oh, back, please. hopefully, for next week. But I mean, it's it's an interesting one with with the FA Cup game. Uh, what what Phil Parkinson will do for that game, really, isn't it? I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm almost certain with the squad we've got now, he will want to go deep in the you know, as deep as possible into the FA Cup. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, you know, I think maybe. <laughs> You know, with with this reserve side as well, I've got to say we haven't really, I haven't really spoke about this that much, but I think that's been excellent in terms of getting players back in, just easing them back into the first team via a few games in the reserves and stuff like that. So I think maybe maybe uh, next next week's FA Cup game might be a little bit too soon for for the likes of Mendy, uh, perhaps Ford as well. But um, you know, Not, the, the thing is, as well, it's, hammy is it really? You know, rushing someone back then is it for an FA Cup game? No, really. Yeah. It's, this is it, and I, I've got to say as well, um, it, it can be frustrating sometimes. But Phil Parkinson is uh, is very, very good at keeping his cards close to his chest as well. So sometimes mm. he can pop a surprise on a Saturday um, after I've made an idiot myself, saying, "Oh no, yeah, he'll definitely be back this week," and then Parkinson's <laughs> made me look a fool, which isn't hard. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Reese. I think um, you know, I, I don't think it would make any sense to rush players back for the FA Cup, would it? No, Andy. I mean, uh, Jordan Davis. Maybe do you think you, you could get a start next week back in the starting eleven? Yeah, it'd be tough on Elliot Lee to take him out, just as he's sort of really, really sort of coming into his own in that side. And I know echo what Tommy says. He can be a really important player for us. And I think one thing that that I didn't expect when he when he when he signed was his work rate. Even second half, eighty minutes, he was chasing down everything. And I think that sort of really starts the uh, sort of defence from the front really um, so yeah I'm, I, you know I'd like to, I wonder if he might change format no god knows Phil Party's in it. sorry that, that's <laughs> just not going to happen um, <laughs> I think it would have to be it would have to be for Dave uh, Davis would have to come in for Lee I think that would be a little bit tough but I would like I would like Davis to have a bit of a run out he's not started for a while and again he's a quite important player for us Um. What about uh, Dolby? He came on towards the end, didn't he? I mean, I suppose there's not really a huge amount you could do in the last 10 minutes. Bryn, any any impressions of, of Sam at all or did not get the ball much? Well, I mean, it was, I think it was probably less than 10, wasn't it, uh, that he was on for. I, I mean, we've seen little cameos from him so far. He's one of those who may get a start in, in the Farmer game, to be honest, um, potentially. I mean, it, there's an interesting dynamic to the Farmer game because... Um, Wrexham are on the cusp of a third round FA Cup draw for the first time in quite a while. We haven't had many since we've been in the National League, have we? Is it, how many is it? One, two, most? Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, so, and that was a good one as well. It was mm. 
at a crucial time that the trust had just taken over the money that was made from that Brighton tie was hugely important to help pay off the debts that were that were outstanding so in this instance the financial thing is slightly different however the the um the whole storytelling bit the narrative bit almost demands Wrexham going into the third round frankly because then you get to do the whole the draw who do they end up with if you do pull a plum then there's going to be a big uh, hoo-ha around it if you don't then you probably go well okay this is the, the limit of our ambitions in this competition this time around you know Barnsley away or whatever it might be but we're going to get there first so I I, I actually think they'll they'll put out you'll put out a, a, a pretty pretty much what will look like a full strength side I don't think it's an opportunity that Wrexham can really afford to squander this one Farnborough at home is a great chance to get into that third round so I think they'll I think they'll go yeah. for it there's that there's the added benefit of course um for for Parkinson that there's no Tuesday night game is there so there's not really much of an excuse for them not to be able to play the first team might be some minor surgery um who knows but we've got a tough tough run coming up haven't we sort of four or five games obviously including that double header against Solly Hull um I don't know about you guys my my kind of thought is if we're within about three points at the top after that um I'd be feeling pretty happy. I know we're top now, but Notts County have got a horrendous January. Um, uh, I don't know how you guys would feel about that. I think as long as we don't lose to anyone big, that's not Oh, Reese, come on. We're top of the moment. Just enjoy it for a little bit. Stop seeing potential pitfalls. I mean, I, I think it is quite important that County, County don't have a game next weekend, so can mm. sort of leapfrog us a little bit. Um, so, you know, we're sort of on the same sort of schedule, um, but a lot of people are saying now we're at the top, we, we'll stay there. I, I'm sure there's going to be some twists and turns. I think County have a very good first 11. Um, I just wonder if if we can, if we're in a position, especially with FA Cup money, that we might strengthen in January. I think a midfielder to to, to really supplement what we've got would would, would be would be a benefit to us. I think uh, I think as well. Uh, are we are we writing Chesterfield out? I mean, you take that one bad week that Chesterfield have had out of the equation, and and they'd be neck and neck with us and County, wouldn't they? So, I think um, I think it's maybe a little premature to rule them out as well. But no, I, I understand what Reese was saying. Um, you know about just just staying just staying where we are because I think I think we can maintain this sort of form throughout the, the whole season. Personally, I, I expect us to maintain the form that we've shown so far throughout. Whether County can, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know an awful lot about them. But I mean, for example, um, you know, Langstaff has, has sort of gone off the boil a little bit in recent games and you know, you just went out. I mean, we've, oh, we've, we've you can't just, say I mean, that, Tommy. You're going to fire him back into life again. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm well known for uh, for doing that. Yeah, from the jigsaw. he's pinned his podcast to the bloody dressing room wall, mate. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you pin the podcast? I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> I do sort of yeah, I do sort of think we can maintain this because of our squad, if nothing else. Um, but I think it's interesting what you were talking about just there, how how Parkinson's going to use the squad because. The one thing you don't want is is your lads like uh, Dolby and especially John Davis. You don't want them sitting on the bench for too long. They've got to be utilised, haven't they? Because they're, um, you know, they're going to be important in the long run. But the reason and the reason you've invested heavily, very heavily, 
in the squad that Wrexham have is to be better than everybody else. I mean, they, they, you know, they, there's a sort of um, a basic principle at play here. So they absolutely ought to and should maintain the current form through, throughout the duration of the season because that's the point. You know, that's why um, if you do, if one guy is injured, we're in that situation now. We've lost how many fullbacks recently, but there are still people to come in and, and you see a relatively smooth transition from one player to another. That's the point. That's why they've gone big. You know, and so I absolutely agree. I think they'll definitely go and strengthen the squad again in January, if only to say, right, quite clearly now, this team is competing for the top spot, no question. And so we've got to do everything in our power to ensure that, that that's where the team ends up. So I, I definitely think, you know, it won't necessarily be FA Cup money, but I definitely think they'll go back in again in January and do a bit more. I agree. I think one thing that we do need to sort out is our our away performances, and I wonder if a if if a midfielder coming can help that. And it doesn't actually have to be someone who you know who will start if they just actually put the pressure on the likes of James Jones and and Luke Young to keep up that level of performance. It will be worth it. So I I I do think they will look in that area. Scott Green maybe bring Scott Green in. Sixty one now. Yeah, I think. Uh, you still got something for the dressing room. Yeah, or um, where's Mike Lake? What's he doing? <laughs> I think Mike Lake retired in or, or he, 1992. None of you remember him, do you? Oh, I, I, I remember Mike Lake. Best player we ever had on loan, and what a change when we actually signed him. Well, we actually <laughs> signed him in that season, didn't we? They got enough cash together to sign him permanently that season, mm-hmm. just before the end, well, in that last window. And then... After that, maybe things weren't quite what we were anticipating in the higher division. But um, it was glorious while it lasted. Yeah, absolutely. The halcyon days of Mike Lake. Well, lots to look forward to then for Wrexham fans, but also for Wales fans. Andy, will you lead us through this part of the podcast? Yeah, so what I've got, I've got a couple of questions we're just going to ask ask the lads. We'll just go around in, in a sort of round-robin format, what, what we think. Nothing too strenuous. Let's, you know, let's try and celebrate Wales doing something which I never really thought would happen in my lifetime. First off, what's our pang level? And what I mean by that is how much are we sort of pining to be there? Um, never mind what's you know. Never mind sort of our sort of. We could have been there working. We're not as fans. How much? How much are we sort of thinking we we should have done more to be there? Or is what's going around this World Cup, as in you know human rights and things like that? It, does that have a sort of factor, Bryn? If we go to you first. Uh, well, I, I'll go kind of through it in order. I wish I, I kind of wish I was there. In another way, I'm I'm in Cardiff as I'm speaking to you currently because at 9 a.m. tomorrow I'll be lecturing students at the sport in the sports broadcast department. So I'm working, working day for me tomorrow. The game next week as well will be on a working day for me. So there's a difference in terms of the way that my life is um, is set up these days, which means it was very difficult to go anyway. I still follow the football season in terms of the, my working year. So had it been a summer World Cup, then um, all the better. 
I've got to say, of all the World Cups that we could have ended up qualifying for, this is probably the least good one. Uh, and there, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, I, I, Qatar is a place that there's a lot of stuff going on quite clearly that's different to what happens here. But who are we to say better, worse, whatever? We, you know, we all... we. There are different standards apply, perhaps, but um, and there have been lots of World Cups in places that people don't necessarily want to go to, you know. And I can remember, I uh, remember quite a few of them down the years. So we can't, in a sense, um, hold um, Qatar to a different level of scrutiny as to say Argentina in 1978, perhaps, um, which is where the World Cup also went. But the thing I do think that is the bit that I don't um, fancy about the trip to, to Qatar, frankly, is the concept of not being able to go for what I would describe as a football festival. I mean, we've only been Euro 2016. We've been so unlucky as Wales fans. We had Euro 2016, great France on the doorstep. We went in huge numbers, had a fantastic time. The next one was the, the ruddy lockdown uh, European Championships. And we were all told we weren't allowed to go. And it was spread out all over the place anyway. And our fixtures were... Um, abysmal in terms of the uh, accessibility and then we get the Qatar World Cup as well which is a place where if you're going to go and have a good time you're going to have to look I think a lot harder than when we were in France for instance you know for, for various reasons and by the way alcohol was banned in the stadiums in France as well wasn't it so that isn't the big deal maybe that people have claimed it to be but the whole the rest of it the place is just not set up to hold a, a football festival in my estimation there's not enough accommodation of the right kind. The place is too small. So everyone's going to be hemmed in together. You've not got the opportunity to get out of that kind of the whole football bubble because there's nowhere to go. And then you've got the sort of all the challenges then, eating and drinking and the cost of stuff. All those things make it a, a less than fan-friendly tournament for me. Tommy, is this a moral thing? Is this a cost thing? Is it both? Why aren't you there? Um, I'd love to sit here and say it's a moral thing. I would, <clears throat> but no. If if I could afford to go, I got to be completely honest. I I would. Uh, that's the top and bottom. Um, you know, I think Bryn. It's hard to really add anything to what Bryn said there. That you covered all bases, but um, yeah. If I could afford to go, I would. I, I just it's just inaccessible for for so many people like myself. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about the human rights abuses and um, you know, sort of cultural differences. Is that, and you know, I, th- I think, I think the cultural differences in some aspects are probably a little bit overplayed. I mean, I'm not talking about the, you know, I don't want to go too deep into the aspect of it, you know, homosexuality and stuff like that. You know, that we, that's that's apparent in, in my opinion. Um, you know, their views on it and stuff like that. But I, I, yeah, I just think in terms, if you just look at it purely from a financial perspective, it's so inaccessible for for the vast majority of people of the world, not just us. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real shame that um, that the World Cup has gone there. Um, I think I think it's you know I think we all know why it went there. I think that's become quite apparent over the last 10, 12 years, hasn't it? But um, but yeah, I, I am gutted. I, I've got to say, though, as well, it's such a weird feeling. It's it's so strange to sit here now. I don't feel like Wales are playing in a World Cup tomorrow. It, it just doesn't feel like that for me. I remember um, before France, and I know that was the first tournament, you know, that uh, that we'd qualified for. But I remember for about two, two or three months, I was just buzzing. I was just so excited. 
I mean, I was going as well, so that obviously helps. But it just doesn't feel like Wales are Wales are, uh, are playing in a World Cup tomorrow. It's such a strange feeling, and um, it's just such a shame, really. Um, you know, I believe there's around five thousand Wales fans going to be going to be in Qatar. Um, and you know, I mean, what was it in France? It was probably more like fifty thousand than five thousand, wasn't it? So you know, it's just completely different. And um, I'm sure when the game kicks off tomorrow, I'll be absolutely buzzing. But as I as I sit here now, it's just a very very strange feeling. Yeah. I just the one thing that really does frustrate me, and it, it was the same, I guess, with Euro 2016 to an extent. Because they decided to change the format of that. So it wasn't even that wasn't straightforward, was it? So we ended up driving up and down France constantly. And it's a big country. We didn't have to do that. They could have done it in the old style in the group, so you didn't have as much travelling, you know. So if you want um if you want fan friendly, then take out that travel element. But also if you want to be a green tournament, then take out that travel element. Um and but there seems to be from UEFA and then the next European Championship after that were a, a disaster in terms of the logistics of it, even to even take you know the whole COVID bit out of it, it was still a disaster even before that, because trying to do multi-centre tournament like that was ridiculous. Didn't give any thought again to what fans want from these events. And this one is the absolute the sort of I mean this is FIFA now, obviously not UEFA, but this is the top of the tree for that one because is there not an assessment made as to what works for football fans? Is the tournament not really for football fans to go and gather? Is it for maybe it's for something else? And if so, come clean. Is it for a TV audience? Then then tell us that so it doesn't really matter where the thing takes place. You know, play it on the moon as long as it's on the telly. But there's no consideration appears to go into the experience of the fan. None of those top execs who vote for these things have ever ever travel to games as a fan they never pay for stuff you know they walk in they walk out the hotel's pre-booked for them everything's covered we're the guys on the ground who experience what how what works and what doesn't work does anybody ever ask us it doesn't appear to be that case reese was there ever a time in reese williams's life where he said i need to get to qatar no um my pang uh, factors that we're calling it pang level pang factor. I, I don't, I've just made that up. I, I, I've, I've, never, I've never heard this ever before. You know what? I actually, actually, halfway through, I've just looked up the, the definition for pang and uh, it's well we'll, well, we'll sort of gloss over it. <laughs> okay, my um, my FOMO factor would probably be a better way of doing it if you're down with the kids. Is uh, is minimal to be honest. Mia culpa, I've never been a big Wales away fan, so I cut, I couldn't pretend um that i was that i was that so that's obviously plays a part in it um you know being brutally honest as well this isn't me being a do-gooder but i've never had a great longing to visit um that particular part of the world anyway um i've never wanted to be going to dubai or anything it's it's so far down on my list of places to go uh that um it doesn't really appeal to me that much a destination and going after what tommy said as well and bryn you know the the inaccessibility of it. You know you'd have to. You know the the better off fans. You know will, will be the ones who go, which is which is which is fair enough. And I don't I don't mind anyone that that goes. But um and I would go. You know if I could with work commitments and everything. Um but yeah, it's not it's it's minimal for me. Andy, what about you? I mean, uh, I had a plan of attack for Euro two thousand and sixteen. You know I had to be there. 
Um, it involved, I, I just moved to London. It involved me flying back into to France a lot, getting Eurostar for the semi-finals. It cost me an absolute fortune, but I had to do it because it was Wales at a first, first major championships in my lifetime. I had a plan of attack for the next Euros, even though, as Bryn said, it was absolutely ridiculous. I was in Azerbaijan, and then we were going to well, so it was Turkey, Azerbaijan, then we were to Georgia, then we were going to Kiev, then we were going to, to, to Italy. And again, it cost me an absolute fortune, and it got cancelled in the end anyway. There was no real plan of attack for me for this, for this tournament. It was completely, more or less, inaccessible for me. I mean... I looked at some sort of fan deals, but they ran out really quickly. I didn't have the points to get the ticket in the first place. And it's not a country you can just go to and soak up the atmosphere, mostly because there isn't any atmosphere. So it for me, it was completely out. I would have loved to have gone in and out and watched one one game, maybe on a tour. But then I don't even know if I'd get a ticket in, in, in the Wales end. You know, it, it's just it, it did, did not make financial sense for me to even attempt this tournament, which is a real shame because, you know, with with Wales's team, it could be the last time in in a while that, that, that we make a World Cup. It's a shame, but, you know, that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, the, the big, um, the, one of the big differences with this tournament as well is because of the entry rules to get into Qatar, uh, as I understand it, you have to get your higher card uh, or permit to get into the country and you could only get one of those if you could guarantee that you had ticket and accommodation but I think I think what I'm told um, from people who are over there is that there are lots of tickets knocking around well there, the tickets are still on sale for all the Wales games so on the ground if you could get into the country to go and buy a ticket you could buy a ticket for the game but um, if you could make that impromptu decision but obviously you can't because there's so much rigmarole involved in getting there, cost of staying there, where, where would you do that? Uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's sad in many ways because um, I've spent my entire life, I'm 53, spent my entire life waiting for the opportunity to watch Wales play in a World Cup. And I'll do it, but I'll do it on telly. And I always thought I would be there to do that, but it is literally not possible. Shall we start thinking about, about the sort of the tournament, the football a little bit? Which team should Wales not be worried about? And what I mean by that is, which of the big sort of teams do you think will underperform? Tommy, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I'm going to kick kick it off with uh, with England. Yeah, I'm not worried about them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, do you well, know what? I, is, I got... I'm surprised that you've gone for England, Tommy. I thought you were a bit <laughs> of a big England, closet England fan. I, um, do you know what I've got? Shameful name name dropper. I spoke to Flynn the other day, and I, I it was absolutely brilliant just to chat with him anyway. But he he really fancies this to go well, and he said he said, and it made a lot of sense what he was saying. In all fairness, he said, "I'm not worried about England." He said the, the two tough games, uh, Iran and um, and America, the US, and um, he says they're the tough games. England will take care of itself. Um, I, I sort of feel like there's quite a lot of pressure on him as well. Uh, on England because you know they they've, they struggled in the Nations League didn't they um, Southgate after doing a good job in in you know over the last God knows how many years he hasn't ever been that popular with the fans I don't know if that's a demographic thing if he's if he's seen as woke I think Matt Letizia called him woke yesterday which uh, which was interesting um, but um, but yeah I just I just feel like 
you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of pointers pointing to the fact that England might have a poor tournament, but um, but yeah, elsewhere, I think um, I think maybe maybe France might not might not do so well uh, this time either. Um, but yeah, I, 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 every World Cup that I've ever watched, I've always uh, always backed Argentina to win it, um, and I've been wrong every single time. But I'm not going to change that. Um, it seems to be the right time to ask the question. Do, do any of us want to see England do well, Bryn? Um, well, it's a strange question to ask. What? Why? Why would if we're talking about Wales? <laughs> why would? Why would we have any concern as to what uh, to what England's performance levels were? I mean, it's it's. Now, professionally, I might say yes, because generally speaking, if England do well, it tends to be good for the game of football. Um, but that isn't the purpose of this conversation. The purpose of this conversation is to discuss is to discuss Wales fortunes. And from a fan's perspective, I, I, I don't I, I don't you know, England do what England England will do what England will do. Many, many, many years ago, when I was uh, young and a bit daft, as opposed to old and a bit daft. I would um, really get into that whole concept. I mean, I was stood on a, a table in uh, Limassol, night of the Norway-England game. We were out there to watch Wales and then Norway beat England. And we were standing up on tables singing, I'm from Norway, yes, I am. Shovel snow all day long as I sing this happy little song, I'm from Norway. So, I mean, you know, at that time, I'd do stuff like that. And then I grew up a little bit. I realised that... <laughs> I, I shouldn't get, um, I shouldn't derive pleasure from from um, England's failure because now I was working in the kind of football industry, so I, I, that was a, a bit more of a pragmatic decision, maybe. So I just watched, I, I watch England follow England in a completely uh, a neutral sort of um, state of mind because I, th- I find it's just kind of easier to do that. So I hope Wales do well. What England do, you know, um, case or after our sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, part of me does sort of think it's a little bit churlish that, you know, if you're a Premier League fan, you're supporting these players week in, week out. And then when it comes to the national team, they're sort of, you know, you, you're you trying to laugh at them. But um... it's much harder to dislike England at the moment, I, I personally feel. And when I say England, I mean the manager and the players. Because mm. Gareth Southgate, I like Gareth Southgate. I think he's done. It's an incredibly difficult job. It's never been more complicated to be England manager than it is now, and particularly England manager at, at a World Cup in Qatar. I've I've been working with the FAW um, coach Ted uh, guys in the last couple of days on the pro license course, and we had Qatar as our intent uh, entire session about agenda preparing for agendas. So we did a mock up um, uh, media session and all the rest of it. We, we talked a lot about this. He's got an incredibly difficult job because he's got, he's steering the ship, the England ship, in a very, very clear direction. And it's not a direction, as you've already alluded to, that everybody is happy about. But he's absolutely adamant that this is what he's going to do. And he's got the players with him as well. So as a bunch, as a group of players now, I think um, for many people, they seem a lot more kind of likeable, frankly. And they've had that problem in the past. They actually took the example of what Wales have done at Euro 2016 as one of the, the catalysts for a change that they needed to initiate in the way that they presented themselves in public. And they used people who'd worked with Wales as well to help them do that. So I think that um, I think it's much it's much more difficult in a way to dislike the England team and the, and the England manager these days. They've still got a massive problem with many fans. I mean, mm. 
will be talked of as a minority, but having been in the presence of England fans previously, it's it, it's it's not something. It's it's so different from the Welsh experience that you you know it's not it's not even true. It's like night and day in terms of going to watch a Wales international match, and I know which version I I prefer. Okay, I suppose we're not talk sports. So let's stop talking about England, Reese. Um... Yeah. What's what's the question again? We've moved on. <laughs> the question is deviated slightly, but which major which major team do you think will underperform? Oh God, uh, I France. I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think they'll struggle to replicate that. I'm similar to Tommy. Argentina are always the team that I always think will do really well. Um, in terms of you know, you mentioned earlier about about our group. I'm. I think. You know, the first game tomorrow is massive, isn't it? Or today, when this podcast goes out, it's just massive. I'm a little bit worried about the Iran game. I know that sounds daft, but it's it's the one really where we've got to get three points. Absolutely, you know, it is 100%. A draw against USA tomorrow really wouldn't be an awful result uh, at all. Um, and so I'm being the pessimist that I am. You've known me for long enough now to know what I'm like. I, I've just got a little bit of a... About the Iran game, and I hope that um, you know we're coming out of a really strong performance against the USA. And I really think, actually, I think we could we could cause an upset against the US, whether it would be an upset or not. I don't know, but I think well, I could would. see. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I could see us. It would certainly be for the US fans, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I could see us performing well tomorrow. And I mean, what an incredible start that would be! That I think in, in in the wildest dreams, if we can win tomorrow, then that would just—I I can't see us not getting out of the group if we win tomorrow. Basically, you know, what? I agree. I think I think we've really got a target tomorrow is the one that we can win. I think Iran will be incredibly tough to break down. I think they they lie deep. They hit you on the break. They're four one four one. I think England will find that tomorrow, and I'm actually tipping a draw there. So I think if we can get. You know, a draw from Iran won't probably be be the worst result. And I, you know, England's anything can happen to England. They've got a good recent record against us, but they, they might be in the shit by then, and they might need to, you know, go too hard to get to get a victory. And we could capitalize on that. Iran will surprise someone. That's that's, mm. that's I get what's in the back of my mind, and I don't want it to be us. So I mean, you know, if it's if it's England tomorrow, great. If it's the US, brilliant. If they can if they can get a draw off England and the US, then obviously that's incredible for us. Yeah, uh, just on the, uh, who might underperform, uh, never write off the Germans. So I'm going to write off the Germans. Um, I think defensively, they, uh, they, they've got players out of form. Um, I think a lot of it's quite aging in some parts of the, the team as well. So I would say that the Germans won't do very well. Watch the Germans now win it. <laughs> um, right, flip it a little bit. Which sort of which nation should Wales be wary of? I.e., who's the dark horse? Reese, do you want to go first on this? Iran. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to repeat what I said, but essentially, yeah, I just think that um, you know everyone's talking about it as sort of that three horse race to get into those two spots out of our group. Um, you know, if they they nick a win against someone somehow, then. Um, uh, who knows? Um, I'm not saying they that they're going to. And either Wales, one of Wales or England are out. Exactly. And I'm not saying they're going to storm the group. And as I say, ideally, it's, you know, they just prove themselves really difficult to break down. And if we beat the US, you know, a draw against them wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, three points against the US, one against England, one against Iran. Thank you very much. But no, I'd, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, we've we got enough uh, to break them down. Tommy? 
who are you looking at as a as an outside bet? Um, I'd just like to thank uh, Rhys for joining us from his bunker in Tehran tonight. Uh, big, big <laughs> Iranian fan. Uh, <laughs> I don't think no, they'll win, I, uh, just to clarify. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I actually agree. I think, I think Iran are going to be, uh, I, I mean, a lot of people sort of, I think they're the fourth favourites in terms of our group, aren't they? But um but no, I, I, there's certainly not going to be any mugs by, by you know, by a long shot. But uh, I think in the tournament, um, I think Denmark are, are a really, really strong side. I think uh, I think that's I a hipster choice. Come on, Tommy. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm just uh, sipping my uh, yeah my frothy latte here. But uh, yeah, no, I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I do, I do, I do like them, Mark. I think they're a really good side. I think you look at their, you look at their squad. It's so strong all the way through. They, they perhaps haven't got, you know, any any of the top top. I mean, you know, the, the top ten in the world bracket sort of world class players, perhaps. But their their squad, every single one of their players is playing in a top league in Europe. A lot in the Bundesliga, obviously a lot in the UK as well. Um, I, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be a tough side and, and yeah I'm going <laughs> even though yeah happy to be labelled a hipster for that but no I'm going to stick with Denmark. I didn't realise you were asking uh, for the tournament dark horse. Yeah, apologies. I wondered why you went around. So I'm gonna say, it's not Iran, but I'm going to say Morocco because I just went there and the taxi drivers are all buzzing for it and I and they've they must know something that we don't know. Can you name one Moroccan player, Reese? I. Don't need to because they're they're such a good unit that oh, um, th- th- it doesn't matter. Yeah, good save. Can, can you tell, can you tell us the names of some of the taxi drivers then? Would that work? Or? <laughs> yes, Ibrahim took us into Agadir and he was top bloke. Let's do it. Do it for Ibrahim, Bryn. Uh, well, I'm quite interested in the discussion about Iran, America, England. We know about, but let's be absolutely honest here. Does anybody really know anything about Iran or the U.S. soccer sides? And um, and that's what I think that's what makes this group really interesting is that everyone goes, oh yeah, England. We know about Wales, obviously, but I I would posit that most of us lay people know almost nothing about the other two squads. When we did our mock media conference with the pro license guys, Neil Taylor was playing the part of being the Wales manager. And uh, the internet had been down in the hotel the night before the session took place because he meant to prepare for these these things. That's part of the process. So when he was asked about who, who you know who were the danger men in the in the U.S. squad, uh, Tails said, uh, "Well, Pulisic is a great player, isn't he?" And it was I knew as soon as the question was asked that that's what he was going to say. And then beyond that, he said, "But they've got a lot of good players." So he was no different in a sense on that basis, probably possibly to us. I mean, I've seen Tyler Adams a lot and I've seen Brendan Aronson a lot play for Leeds and uh, Tyler Adams has been exceptionally good this season and Brendan Aronson's not been bad either. So I know those two can play, so I'd have chucked those two names in. But Iran, the other issue with Iran is have they even named the squad yet? Because days ago they were talking about not naming the squad because anyone who was in danger of protesting within the squad because of all the stuff that's been going on with their sports teams recently, we've all been joining, uh, taking the opportunity on their public platform to, to sort of symbolically protest against what's going on in the country. So that dynamic is one that none of us know. I mean, there could be players arriving there who nobody's legislated for in terms of that they're involved because they are allowed to play, if you like. So I, I don't think anybody knows much about this group at all. I'll be honest. They don't know anything about Wales either, by the way. 
So there's two countries that know about each other in here, Wales and England, and the rest are all going, yeah, I think we could get a point against them, but genuinely, I don't think anybody knows. I'll be honest. And that was the other thing, the dark horse thing. Um, well, I'll, I'll say the, the country that may fail is the same as the country that may succeed, and that's Belgium, uh, because they have the propensity to do both, I think, in terms of the, the group of players they've got. They could either fall short again, or they might even go on and win it this time. Yeah, I mean, I like Belgium attacking-wise. I wonder defensively if they're, they're ageing a little bit. But I think my sort of... I, th- I mean, you say the dark horses, but they're a football powerhouse. But I think I think the Dutch can have a good tournament. I think they've gone under the radar a little bit. I think there's there's good talent there and Van Hal's a tournament coach, I think. They weren't, they weren't great against Wales, though, were they, in the, in the Nations League? Uh, I mean, but there's experience there in the right places. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't. I wouldn't look. You said people said at the outset. You know, I wouldn't look far beyond the names that you would expect because the reason they're good at this is because they're good at this. But that's mm. going to include Germany, by the way. They, they play tournaments well because you've got to play the tournament, haven't you? Um, so, so you know, you've got to have the experience of being uh, in it for the long haul, but a lot of games, short space of time. But the more experience you have of that, the better your chances are likely to be, I think, of winning the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the Dutch are going to win it. I think they're going to have a, a better tournament than, than expected. Um, if I'm going to say about who I think will win it, I'd, I'd love to see Argentina win it. I know it's been said a few times. I think it would be great for for Messi to to get that in his final World Cup. And it would be great to... To, for him to win it and Ronaldo not to win it, to be honest, and uh, I, I I can't see I can't see Portugal winning it. Uh, Tommy, are you going Argentina as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've I've sort of uh, you know in the absence of Wales all these years, I've always supported them. Uh, you know, not not supported them, but you know you sort of you sort of sometimes pick a team to follow, don't you? A little <laughs> bit, and um, yeah, I I'd, I'd like to see that. I think. Um, Obviously, if we can't win it, as uh, as Flinny predicted, we would. Um, I think uh, I think we'd, you know, I think it'd be it'd be a great send off. I think, in my opinion, I mean, I'm, you know, uh, I'm 36, so I haven't seen some, you know, the likes of Maradona, but I think Messi's the best player I've ever seen. I think it'd be a fitting end for him. Yeah, Bryn is Belgium your pick overall? Well, South Korea are going to win it. <laughs> I'll get my money on that then. <laughs> Why not? Dark horse could be could be a tournament for dark horse to win it this time. One of those teams again, you know, along the lines of do we know much about USA or, or Iran? Possibly not, personally, certainly. Um, but one of those teams might yet yeah, the, there are teams South Korea are well set up. Again, if you go on the basis of good players playing in good places, they they kind of tick those boxes. Great work ethic. Um, maybe don't have tournament experience in terms of going a, a, a distance mm. regularly like some of the other big hitters. But uh, it, it would actually be nice, would it not, if somebody like that emerged to do well in, in this tournament. This tournament's been taken to a, a new place. So on that basis, maybe to have a, a new name involved in terms of if, if it's all about taking the game to the world, and apparently it is, then that would help with that. Any African teams we think might do well? Morocco. <laughs> you, all you said is Morocco and Iran. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. I know you. Lads. I know. I said that Tommy was a football hipster. <laughs> I'm taking that away. You're a football hipster. It's, it's, 
It's just using humour to disguise the fact I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we we all do that, mate. We all do that. Christ. I'm sure I, the I, people I, of Morocco are happy that you're just using them as comedy uh, <laughs> comedy value. Right. Good. Who do you think is going to win it, Reese? Come on. Not Morocco. If Germany. it is Morocco... Oh. Germany will win the World Cup. And they'll beat England in the final. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's, that's possible draw-wise, but well, well, we'll go with it. If you believe something hard enough, it'll, it'll come true. No, I, yeah, I don't know. I just made it up. Right. Okay, let's finish up with a couple of questions about Wales. Um, Tommy, which player would you take from another nation to strengthen Wales and weaken them? That's a really good question, isn't it? Um, Throw throw some some, uh, uh, sort of... um, Hold it, hold it, hold in midfielder names at me. I, I'm, I'm worried. Declan Rice. De- well, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, very, very good player. Very, very good player. Um, he's already had two nations. Why not a third? Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I personally, I'm a bit worried. Joe Allen's going into the tournament injured, and I, I think that's somewhere where perhaps we we lack a, a quality quality player. Um, is that holding midfielder position? Do you know what? That's a really good shout. I, I'd go with that. Declan Rice, I think he's a very, very good player. And, um, you know, I think I think he would be uh, a massive addition to Wales. But um, sadly, there's no uh, transfer window. No. Uh, I mean, Bryn, is, is that where Wales are really lacking midfield? Do you think a holding well, midfielder I think, is. I think defensively, there, there might be an issue. I, I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, if you're picking, you know, player from another team, somebody like Van Dijk, as a as a an absolute nailed on, experienced, top quality central defender, because um, I think that's an area maybe where we are not as strong for this tournament, for instance, as we were for Euro 2016. Um, you know, we we had a, an established, settled defensive unit um, for that tournament. I'm not entirely, I don't think we have for this one. Players have been out injured, some have been in form, out of form, and we, we don't have um uh, we don't have particularly great depth in terms of the, the numbers um in the centre of defence either, I don't think. Um so that would be possibly an area of, of concern. The obvious one is if Joe Allen isn't gonna make the first game, is he gonna make the second game? And if he doesn't, then that is it. I was having this conversation this afternoon with people about what would you do there so if it's if it's Joe Morrell I love Joe Morrell what a top top guy what a great job he's done for Wales but look where he's playing in comparison to the opposition that we were playing against and that's that's the bit where you start to go you know if you want to match like for like he should be playing I tell you who would take on the defensive midfielder by the way Tommy I'd take Tyler Adams any day of the week well if we yeah we can in there get out of the group Yeah. Uh, Reese, which Moroccan player would you take? Well, (laughs) no, 
Actually, I've long been an admirer of Omid Nurafkan, who is uh, one of the younger players in Iran's squad at just 24 years old, and he's set to head to his first World Cup. Oh, well, the internet's working in your house. I don't have internet in my house, and uh, his influence in the squad has been growing. Uh, He can play at full-back, central defence, and midfield. So, I mean, in terms of his versatility, I think he'd be vital uh, for us, and obviously he'd weaken Iran, who are obviously one of the favourites for that group, I would say. I'd say you are... Bryn's, Bryn's eating his words now, saying Reese knew nothing about Iran. He knows everything, man. Come on. Well, I've got I've got an iPad here as well. I could, I could we can all play that game. <laughs> that sounds exactly like the Telegraph Guide to the World Cup that I, I read earlier, Reese. I'll, I'll I'll be honest. I didn't. <laughs> no, it's it's actually ninetyminutes.com. Oh, okay. Oh, it is a, a fun question as we, as we get to the end here. Which bygone Wales player would you love to put into this World Cup? Bryn? Uh, Rushi. Yeah. No question. Best finisher yeah. I've ever seen. On the, with, with him up front. Oh, man. I mean, that, that's the great... The, the, they were the lost generation, weren't they? Some of those players should have played at World Cup finals because they, they were fantastic players. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, just it would have to be... He's one of my all-time favourites anyway, so I'd have to say him. Tommy, are you going Eric Young? <laughs> yeah, that's the hipster I am. Yeah, with the headband. Yeah, um, George Berry should be you know a choice for the hipster. Mark. What was that? Sorry, George Berry should be a choice. That he's George, George Berry. Berry sorry, yeah, choice. yeah. George Berry, absolutely. Yeah, T- Tim Williams with his uh, with his George Berry t-shirts. I absolutely love them. Um, I'm going to go. You know, a sort of. Um, not not just an emotional decision, but uh, but yeah, I'm going to have to say Gary Speed. I just think. Um, you know, when he played for Wales, he could play in midfield. He could play at fullback. I think, um, I think in a tournament like this, it's it's fantastic if you can have as many players as possible who can fill two or three roles. Uh, and I think Speedo did that, didn't he, for Wales? I mean, you know, in, in the Mark Hughes years, he played at like uh, he played at left back, and he was absolutely tremendous. And then, you know, obviously, he was a centre midfielder. That was his that was his role. But uh, just someone like that's massive. And um, on that. Uh, that's that's why I found it a, a little bit not strange because I understand Page has gone with a squad that he knows and trusts. But I'd have took Ryan Hedges, uh, been playing very well in the Championship for Blackburn, and he can play three or four positions. Um, so yeah, without going off on a tangent too much, I'd take uh, I think I'd say Speed just because of his um, the fact he could play in quite a few positions and uh, what a player he was as well. I'm going to go for someone we've already mentioned. I'm going to go for Big Nev. I just think it's. So important to have a great a great keeper, and Nev was the best keeper in the world for for a number of years. And yeah, it also would be nice, you know, he's he's a good bloke, as you know, Tommy. It'd be nice to have him at a World Cup. Reese, tough one. Logically, I really like um, Nev and Gary Speed. Makes sense. My first person that came to mind was Ian Rush, but I'm actually going to go on a more doesn't really make any sense in terms of the balance of the squads, but just on an emotional level, I always loved watching Craig Bellamy uh, and the passion he had for that team uh, at a time, you know, when it wasn't doing very well at all. I always admired that a lot. Um, and it's what between him and John Hartson, because again, I just love John Hartson. We don't, we, we wouldn't need either of them in this squad necessarily. No disrespect to them, just, just because of the way that the balance is. But um, yeah, I always had a soft spot for both of them. Right. Final question. How far do we think Wales will ultimately get and who will be the standout player? Tommy, do you want to go first? I, I do think we'll get out of the group. 
but I think that's as far as we'll get. Um, I think we'll we'll go out in the last sixteen. Um, uh, that's my honest opinion. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we'll take. I said earlier on, I was being a bit bullish earlier on about England, but uh, I, I suspect we'll take four points. I'm, I'm not going to predict which way round. I think we'll take four points off America and Iran. I think we'll probably lose to England, if I'm being honest, um, you know, as much as I want them to, to fail. But, uh, but no, I think, you know, I think we probably do, unfortunately, lose to England. Um, but in terms of a standout player... Um, I absolutely love the guy. I just think he's quality. I think he's one of the most underrated players in world football, and that's Ben Davis. I think he's going to be absolutely vital to us. I think Bren said before about um, about at the back. I think it's vital that Ben Davis, as as probably the elder statesman in that back line, I think it's vital he has a good World Cup, and I think he will. I think he's uh, I think he's a class act, and um, yeah, he's going to be my uh, my man of the tournament for Wales, hopefully. Yeah, um. I agree with you. I really hope that I think they will get out of the group. Um, I can't see them getting much further than that. I think they're fated to to meet either Senegal or uh, or Netherlands. Um, well, actually, it could be Ecuador after today's performance, but that is against Qatar, who who basically Wrexham could beat. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll I think they'll go out in the next round. Um, I, I want Dan James to have a good good tournament. I think. Pace to burn, I think that will be important. Um, and, you know, I think he can draw quite a few fouls. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for him. Reese. Uh, it took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking Dan James as well. Um, and I really would love to see Dan James do well because of, you know, a lot of the crap he's uh, that said about him uh, over the border, I think, a little bit over the last couple of years. So I'd really love it for him to to have a, a really good tournament. I actually agree 100% with Tommy. That is exactly how I see the group panning out. I think we'll get four points and we'll we'll qualify in second place, which means barring any miracles, we'll face the Netherlands. Um, and as much as I would love to see it, I can't see it. So I'm going to say dropping out the last 16 as well. Finally, Bryn. Well, let's finish on a high. I don't think they'll get out of the group. Oh. I think they'll... Um lose the first two or maybe uh, lose one, draw one. And then it'll all be down to the England game. Um, I've got in my head here the 78 Scotland scenario in Argentina, whereby they lost the first game to, who was it, Peru? Got battered by yeah, Peru. Somewhat, yeah. and then drew with, that was Iran, wasn't it? And drew with Iran in the second game. And then had to beat Holland uh, by a number of goals in the three goals, I think it was, in the third game. And actually went two up against them, and there was that incredible Archie Gemmel goal. But then ultimately it ended three two, but it wasn't enough goals, and they they failed gloriously. Um, we've gone on from failing gloriously at the qualification stage. Now I think it's time that we started to uh, engender a sense of being able to fail gloriously at the group stage, a major summer tournament, but do it regularly. You know, so we're always there, but we just fall short on this occasion. I, I think, I mean, I, I think it's, it's the hardest group, isn't it, in terms of the rankings of the teams in it? Yeah, every um, every team's within the top 20. Top 20, that's right. It's the only group where that's the case, I think. And that's that's the difficulty for Wales, is that it's an evenly matched group. I can't see a, a, an absolute gimme game in this one. So um, I think we'll beat England in that final game, but we'll just fall short. Oh, and standout player. Uh, well, it all, it's got... It, you, it's, you ought to want it to be Gareth Bale. Because if Gareth Bale is the standout player, then good things will happen. 
because that's the evidence of everything we've seen over the last 10 years or whatever it is. So I hope that our standout player is the player who's meant to be the standout player, the player who deserves the opportunity on this stage for all he's done anyway. So if he has a good tournament, then I think we'll have a good tournament. So um, as much as I, there's some great young pups in there, Lawrence Vicks, Kiefer Moore, he could cause a bit of consternation because he's different to anything anybody else has got. But if Gareth Bale has a great tournament, then we'll do okay. Uh, that'll be fitting. It'll probably be his last tournament, I imagine. And so it would be a good good way for Gareth to, to, to go out at the top. Yeah, let's hope that's the case. Um, and we'll all be watching today, I'm sure, wherever you're watching it and getting ready to watch the game. We hope you have a have a good one. And uh, let's hope for a, a 3-0 Wales win. Thanks to Bryn and Tommy for joining us. And uh, goodbye from all of us, me and Andy too. Goodbye. See you.